Yo, this is Sam's Sports Podcast. It is Tuesday, February 6th, 2018. I'm here with Shaka to talk about Super Bowl 52 because I don't know if you were hiding underneath a rock on Super Bowl Sunday, but the Philadelphia Eagles won the Super Bowl 41-33, to dethroning the GOAT himself, Tom Brady, and his amazing Super Bowl performance. Oh my God, Shaka, do you have some initial reactions from this game before we just start basking in the glory of the Eagles' victory? Um, let's just say this. <clears throat> when I talk to friends about football and how much I love it, and you know you have those friends that don't really grasp what the big deal is. I don't see what the appeal is of football. Why do people go crazy about this fucking sport? I watch football with three people who are completely, I wouldn't say they're uninitiated to the sport, but they're not really, they don't know the depth, they don't know the rules. Right. And we're all on the edge of our seats. You know, once you really kind of figure out the backstories and this guy's the backup quarterback, this guy's the greatest quarterback of all time, you know, you really kind of lay the groundwork. And as the game progresses, and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe that happened. And oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. This is so crazy. And then you get it. It just snaps into place why this is such an amazing game. And all these people who are complaining about the players kneel too much, I can't watch this anymore. If you missed the Super Bowl, too fucking bad for you because this is one of the best fucking games of the last decade, the last two decades, the last three decades that I've seen. Uh, it was amazing. And the bonus was it was the Patriots going down. So, yes, it was a very good Super Bowl. Oh, man. I uh, You know, one of the credits I need to give to the Patriots is, listen, win or lose, they definitely play some of the most exciting Super Bowls I think I've ever seen in my entire life, and it always seems to come down to the last play of the game. Tom Brady, I mean, hats off to you, man. You're locked for the Hall of Fame. Unquestionably the greatest quarterback of all time. But, uh, I mean, every dog's got to have his day. Yeah, and, and in a way... You know, you can almost sort of look at this Super Bowl loss for Tom Brady as kind of like, you know, it doesn't even tarnish what he did. You look at his numbers. He threw 505 passing yards, three touchdowns, and had zero turnovers. I mean, he did every single conceivable thing he could have done as the quarterback of this team. I mean, as we're going to discuss in this podcast, it wasn't him that lost this game. It was the Patriots' defense and the fact that there was zero defense in this entire game. But, I mean... That was the greatest quarterback you could have ever seen, and he put on a hell of a show, and he still lost. Still lost. Still lost. I mean, to echo what you said about, I mean, last year, seeing the Patriots come back from 28-3 to to win that game, I mean, that was one of the greatest Super Bowls I think we've ever seen. And then we could look back to the one where the Patriots beat the Seahawks on that last play of the game. That might have been the, the greatest game. And then we look at what happened two days ago. I mean, a team... The Eagles, which was essentially the underdog for every single playoff game, which, you know, Nick Foles really did look like a bona fide backup quarterback who had trouble moving the ball down the field at all, all the way up to the divisional game against the Atlanta Falcons, absolutely burning down defenses in the NFC Championship game and the Super Bowl on two of the biggest stages of his career, of his life, and then... You th- let's just sh- shift right into Nick Foles. This guy was the Super Bowl MVP, 373 passing yards, three touchdowns, an interception that essentially was not his fault whatsoever. And this yeah. guy, you know, he might not be on the Eagles next year. He might be quarterbacking another team. Hell, you can go into the storylines and read about the fact that this guy was thinking about retiring a couple of years ago. 
he gets this golden opportunity. You know, as much as, listen, I am one of the biggest people who's going to talk about how, you know, I'm an Eagles fan, but I was doubting when Wentz went down. I was sitting here talking about how we should be marginalizing Nick Foles and not having him throw the ball that much and getting them to run the ball more, playing a much more conservative offense. But yet, all of those things, not doing those things was the reason why the Eagles won this game. Being aggressive, uh, getting the ball down the field. And I'm going to say it, you said it, Shaka, you've been saying it week after week after week since Nick Foles has taken over as the starting quarterback for the Eagles. You said... Say it right now, Shaka. Tell me. Let Foles throw. Let him throw the fucking football. I mean, I mean you know, it's amazing. Because, look, he was definitely shaky to start. But I, I think anyone who's kind of all automatically dumped into a starting role in any team out of nowhere after you have arguably the league MVP playing all season all of a sudden goes down to injury. Of course, he's going to be a little bit shaky coming in. Uh, I don't think we really expected him to excel at the level that he did. but. I think the, the 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 lack of doubt that I had initially was just because we already have the tape that he has, you know, the chops to do this in the NFL. We had that one golden year under Chip Kelly where, you know, Nick Foles was an absolute stud, 27 touchdowns, two interceptions, you know, and things just didn't work out with that Chip Kelly era in uh, Philly to start. But we knew he had the potential. He ended up under some really shitty coaches, uh, yeah. Jeff Fisher. Jeff Fisher, clearly the guy who's the quarterback guru as he drove Case Keenum, Nick Foles, and Jared Goff into the ground. Yeah, so I think this cements the fact that Jeff Fisher really, really kind of undermines some quarterback careers. Uh, Nick Foles, like you said, almost out of the league, decides, you know what, screw it, I'm going to give it one more go. Comes back to this team, and credit to the Eagles coaching staff for giving him the opportunities to play football the way he knows how to play football, the way he's comfortable playing football. There were a lot of throws out there that were just set throws for him. I, I think about this uh, Corey Clement uh, wheel route. That oh, he yeah. Oh, yeah. Yards. Just, I mean, just fun, like fearless, you know, football. And he was confident in every throw. There wasn't any hesitation. He didn't look uncomfortable. There were a couple times where the, the passwords almost got to him. And we know he's not the most mobile quarterback. But it didn't matter. He still was able to step up and make those good throws. Um, so amazing. Hats off to him. Hats off to that receiving core. You know, we can talk about Alshon Jeffrey making some amazing catches all day. But Nelson Aguilar. Oh, my God. Like, oh, my God. Every, all of the receivers had a moment in this game. Yeah. Just a saga of Nelson Aguilar. Um, I mean, dude, they were ready to cut him last year. Yeah, just a couple years ago, this guy with all this speed, all this potential, kind of undisciplined, you know, very emotional on the field. And, you know, just thinking, man, there's, you know, there's potential, but I don't know if it's going to work out. And just the, the maturity and the, the progression this entire season, he's become one of the most valuable receivers on that team, even though he had two players come in with more experience at the position, you know, to help him, and he still contributed a, an immense deal, especially for Carson Wentz during the season. And in the Super Bowl, some of the biggest first downs that they got were credited to Aguilar. Absolutely. And just running after the catch when he had three guys tackling him. I mean, those are some big plays, and you don't really see it during the game. But when you look at the stat line, led the team in targets, led the team in receptions in the Super Bowl. It's amazing. 
You know, uh, I'm, so I'm just going to continue on this complete celebration of the Eagles because I'm, I'm loving every minute of this, Shaka. So I want to start a little bit with the coaching, and I'm going to trickle this down to what you were talking about with some of the players' performances. The coaching and the, and the play calling, I mean, holy shit. There is really something to be said for Doug Peterson, for his entire coaching staff, Frank Reich, Jim Schwartz. I mean, everything about this was in a way, a bit of a blueprint for how you should coach and how you should construct your team in the modern NFL. Because many of these guys were guys who joined the team this year. So this whole idea of rebuilding a team takes several years. The Eagles kind of threw that a little bit out the window in a lot of ways. And then you think about the fact that this coaching staff was being aggressive all game. That was, you know, when, when Wentz went down, I was sitting here saying they're going to have to change how they do things because Foles can't do what Wentz can do. He can't just sling the ball like Wentz can. He can't move out of the pocket like Wentz can. But in a way, it almost looked a little bit like when they tried to be conservative and Foles was making some much simpler check down passes, it turned into that grinded out defensive game that we saw on Christmas Day when the Eagles beat the Raiders or when they beat the Falcons in that uh, divisional game. But when you finally let... Foles open it up. When they put the plays in, when Foles had enough reps, because I don't think we realize how few reps the backup quarterback gets with the first team, when he was truly ready, they started to run this offense like it was Carson Wentz, and Foles was able to do it. The aggression when it came to the play calling, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw some numbers at you because I wrote this down before I came up because I was just amazed at this. They went for it on fourth down twice, and they were yeah. two for two. Okay, so you can sit here and say, wow, we stopped them on third down. This Eagles team was relentless. It felt like a Patriots offense, for Christ's sakes. Not to mention the fact that they went for, they got, they had 10 third down conversions. 10. One of them was a, you had mentioned Nelson Aguilar. He had one in the second half for 17. I'm just going to reel off the numbers here. These are third down conversions. Alshon Jeffrey for 17 yards on third down. Torrey Smith for 15 yards. Zach Ertz for 19. Ajaye for 26. Clement for 55. I've got another one for Clement for 22 yards when it was the ridiculous touchdown catch he made. I mean, who the fuck did Nick Foles think he was? They set him up. They gave him a good plan. And they were not afraid to attack this Patriots defense. I mean... You want to talk about being prepared for the biggest game. And this this Eagles team from jump was talking about how people were underrating them. From jump, they were talking about we're the best team. We've got the yep. right players. We've got a defense that has got such a deep front seven that we're going to be fresh in the second half when finally a game that has featured zero defensive plays the entire game, Brandon Graham finally strip sacks Tom Brady to essentially seal the game. And I mean, I've, I've heard interviews with some of these players and they were sitting there going, you know, we weren't frustrated. We just knew that that play was coming. That defensive stop was going to show up sooner or later. It was just a matter of time. I mean, holy shit. You want to talk about mind of a champion. I mean, everything about this Patriots team felt like they were just sort of coasting in on fumes. They have talent. They've got Tom Brady. He can mask all of their problems. You know, they're beating the Titans and the Jaguars, and all of a sudden they're in the Super Bowl. This Eagles team has been one of the most complete teams all season. And the fact that they took their backup quarterback and still won the Super Bowl is just another example of how complete this team was. They could have had Chase Daniel as their backup. Yeah, I mean, hell, they could have been trotting Nate Sudfeld out there, but no. Howie Roseman goes and gets Nick Foles. He didn't have to, but he did. 
because you need an insurance policy in case your quarterback goes down and he goes down and you can't spoil a roster like this because this roster was too damn good, too damn good to fall short of simply winning the Super Bowl this year. Whew. Okay. I don't even know where, I don't know where Chase Daniel is. I remember once upon a time really wanting him to kind of come in and take over the Jets quarterback position. I have no fucking idea where he is right now. He is, is back he on the, the New City? Orleans Saints. Oh, wow, really? He is backing up Drew Brees. Playing it safe. Playing um, it absolutely safe. You mentioning the defense in this game uh, kind of reminds me. Of and I, Dude, I thought this was going to be a defensive game. I picked it to be 23-19. I thought the, defense, I thought the front seven was going to be all over Brady. I thought the, 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 that he wouldn't be able to move the ball that well. I thought the Gronk was going to be essential. Uh, I thought that, you know, the, the Patriots defense was going to get pressure on Foles. They didn't even get near Foles. No, it was amazing. Um, I'm going to say one thing. We've known forever. We've known since last year that the New England defense was Swiss cheese. Mm, mm-hmm. We've known it. We just knew that when it came to making big stops and big plays, they were capable of doing it. And more often than not, they did it. I mean, the Falcons carved them up at the start of that Super Bowl last year. Oh, yeah. Year. I mean, oh, yeah. No question about it. They exposed them. And we thought, man, this is really kind of the end. You know, but things turned out the way they did. Um and going forward to this year, and I think it's what happens with teams. When they get up on the Patriots, they tighten up. They're afraid of making that turnover because the Patriots are known for making big stops and big plays. And I think back to that Austin Jeffrey um, play where he bobbled it. And, I mean, that was just a freak bobble. It was just, you know, a uh, The interception, yeah. Yeah, and it just, of course, there's a Patriot standing right there for the interception. You're like, oh, man, here we go. This is, you know, this is going to go the way we think it is. You know, like, this is... Just typical Patriots luck. Mm-hmm. And I remember that one particular fourth down play where the Eagles went for it, and I questioned it. I definitely said, what are they doing? Like, the field position on this is absolute shit. And I believe and it was in the fourth right. quarter. They were, I think, uh, I don't know if they were losing, but they might have, it, it was It was close. I, I'm pretty sure I said, man, the size of the dick and balls on that offensive uh, coaching staff right now is huge. And then, of course, they, they nailed the fourth down. I was stunned. And if um, I'm and I have this down here in my notes, it was a it was a fourth and two to Zach Ertz. Yeah, it was. I mean, middle of the field was it? I think it was middle. Of the it field. was. I they were at about the thirty yard line. Like if that didn't work out, they were giving the Patriots back the ball with nice field position. I was in disbelief that they went for it, and even I think just bigger disbelief that it actually worked. I was like, holy shit, man! This game is. I I, I feel like I've aged ten years in this fucking game right now. Um, and and again, dude, that's Patriots football. Like, that's what the yeah. Patriots would be doing on a play like that. They'd be yeah. killing you. I mean, the the biggest question to me during the game was, where the fuck was Malcolm Butler? Let's and let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Go there. Things devolve. I mean, I remember just going through the game, going, man, Stephen Gilmore. Granted, is as solid a defender as he is. I Malcolm Butler is not on the field, and I thought, you know, initially it was an injury. But after, you know, all the fireworks was over and said and done, we found out that Malcolm Butler did not play because it was coach's decision. And, of course, I would be as salty as anyone else after losing the Super Bowl and not getting to play. You know, when a, a reporter comes up to you and says, hey, what happened? And you go, I don't know, man. Ask the coach. I mean, it's not good. It's a really kind of a – we all thought it was disciplinary. We thought, you know – Maybe he was out partying or he did something and he violated team rules. But at the same time, I said, come on, it's the fucking Super Bowl. Yeah. Malcolm Butler is one of your storied players. I mean, the game-winning interception against the Seahawks, 
You know, I mean, how does he not play? What is the reason that he could not play? And to, I thought it was an injury. I thought it was some kind of last-minute injury and like knocked him out of the game entirely. We come to find out that, and I only read this today, was that uh, a couple people, uh, you know, inside the organization of the Patriots said that Malcolm Butler just could not pick up the offensive schemes that the Eagles were running, that they were trying to implement in practice. He just could not grasp them. And also, they were kind of phasing him out. He wasn't really running with the first series defense. Mm. So I think the combination of things led to them ultimately like letting him know. I think the guy who replaced him, I can't remember his name on the Patriots. He got a lot of reps. Uh, was it uh, It was like, it was somebody, Richard or uh, uh, Batamisi? I, I can't remember. I think his name, his last name was like Rom or Reem or something like that. But he got, he said he found out right before the game that he was getting the start. So it was just one of those things where like everyone was kind of floored. No one really knew what was coming. But, you know, there'd been shadows of it throughout practice all week where where Butler was not starting with the first team defense. So I, it's also today, Malcolm Butler, you know, went on social media and he put out this post thanking the organization, thanking his coaches, thanking everyone for the opportunities he had, you know, and just kind of bettering himself. Side note, he's an unrestricted free agent. So I think this yeah, is kind he's of, not going to be on the Patriots next year. Yeah, I think this is part of him, one, kind of leaving the door open for himself to come back to the Patriots, though he had a kind of a rough year um, defensively with the Pats. Well, but and I, and you got to look at the fact you uh, Eric Rowe. Eric Rowe is who started. That's his name. Rowe. And you know Eric Rowe is the guy who led up that Alshon Jeffrey touchdown in the first quarter. Yeah, he got. I mean, that was just an amazing. Uh, that was a tough. That was a tough uh, defensive play to make, and he actually got a hand in there. It just didn't matter. Jeffrey came down with the ball. That was just a go get him play, and he he lost five inches on that one. Yeah. So he he did an admirable job on defense. But, but I mean, really but I think that we can say I feel like we know Malcolm Butler's a bit of a better corner than Eric Rowe. Eric Rowe, by the way, was a Chip Kelly Philadelphia Eagle castoff. So I mean, I mean, I, and you're absolutely right. I have no disagreement with you on that. But it just really makes you think: how bad was it in practice where he really just was not getting his assignments? And right? especially I, a guy who you know had been playing the majority of the snaps for the Patriots defense. Someone actually broke it down to a percentage. They said 97% of the snaps this season, Butler was uh, on defense. He plays 97% of all their snaps this year, which is fucking crazy. And he doesn't play in the Super Bowl. I mean, there's yeah. almost something that's kind of like, you know. There's got to be something else to it. I just don't. I, I feel like we're going to find out down the road, maybe by the time he signed with another team, that there was some kind of like secret riff or row with the coaching staff or with Belichick. It just doesn't make any sense. It just sense. felt like way too much. Like, why are you... I understand you want to make a point. I understand you're trying to win the game, but it felt like it felt like he was making a point at the Super Bowl. Like, you really... Like, can't yeah. you do all of that shit after the game's over? It almost feels like Belichick, you almost... You drank your own Kool-Aid because it's kind of like, listen, don't you think that changing routines and putting in a different starter last minute is going to maybe not put your team, you know, that might sort of stir things up a little bit in the wrong way. I mean, am I crazy to think Uber, that? It was an Uber Belichick move. It's a, you know, in the off season when he makes these shrewd cuts and decisions where like, man, that guy's been with the team forever. You know, Mike Vrabel's gone. What he's cut or like, you know, just a guy who's, who's spent all of his, like his best years with the team. And once the decline, you know, his, his production declines just a little bit, Patriots make a move, and they're like, oh, well, you know, everyone says, well, that's business. Any other team, a move like that would be made is like, man, there's no loyalty with this team. Yeah. But 
it's such a Belichick move to be shrewd that we just like, oh, well, you know what? That's Bill Belichick. That's just the way he rolls. And I mean, this time I still have to question, even though, well, you know, we can say, well, it's Belichick. This is kind of the way he is. I still feel just in the back of my head, just a tinge that like, this is something a little bit wrong. Yeah, Malcolm it, Butler, he wasn't playing that well all season. The Super Bowl, that's when you decide to make this change? Really? Uh, I, it's, it's something stinks. It's way too big a story, especially going into a Super Bowl. And again, you know, winning cures all problems, and they didn't win. So now yeah. we're looking at these things with giant magnifying glasses saying, what the hell was going on here? It just didn't make any sense. I, you know, there were a lot of things. When you think about just the small things that make up a, a championship team, you know, LeGarrette Blunt is on the other side of the field. Yep. LeGarrette Blunt had a big game. I mean, just big game. Bulldozer, you know, really ran the clock down with some tough running, scored a touchdown and a, a beautiful, oh, yeah. a beautiful run. Huge pounding, pounding run where he was shaking guys off and dragging them into the end zone. You know, I mean, on the other side of the football, imagine if he was still on the Patriots doing that. And those little things make a difference. Yeah. And I think James White, one, is better than we really kind of give him credit for. And I think he should just be the feature back there at this point. And who knows? Maybe we might see a Belichick move in the offseason. I mean, I don't know. Just Belichick hates having, like, not that he hates having a feature back. It's just that's not how he uses backs. Like, if James yeah. White was on any other team, I feel like he'd be a feature back. But, I mean, he's just got this rotating trio of Burkhead, Lewis, and White now. And I think. I, I oh, yeah, where was Mike Gillisley? I guess he was a healthy yeah. scratch. I, I, yeah, I, don't, I wasn't even sure if Gillisley was even still on the team. And Gillisley actually felt like the you know the heir apparent in Buffalo, and then now he's like almost irrelevant in New England. So the, the, the logic for the Patriots when they kind of put together their personnel has never really made sense to me, but you know what? They win games, so what the fuck do I know? Well, and yeah, I think in some respect they wanted Gillisley to be that Legarrette Blunt, and I don't think he yeah. ended up. I don't think he played out as well as they hoped he would. And you know, you know, Belichick and the Patriots—they'll just keep working with Deion Lewis and yeah. Rex Burkhead and all these other sh- and James White and these shifty backs and make it work. Very easy to cut their losses. I think the the other thing we haven't talked about—that's kind of a big deal. Um, when your best wide receiver, your best deep threat, Brandon Cooks, gets absolutely clobbered. Yeah. You know, on a play, and look, that didn't really, to me, that didn't seem like, you know, leading with the helmet to helmet. That was just one of those things where Cooks was not paying attention. Yeah. You know, last minute. And, and he was, dude, he was he was an active runner. He had the ball, and Jenkins yeah. nailed him. And obviously, you know, I don't know. Yeah, Jenkins is not going to get a fine for that. Jenkins, I mean, man, fantastic game. Also, unsung hero in this game, because when Brandon Cooks went down, all of a sudden, especially in the third quarter, Gronk, who Dude. had been getting targeted. He just I was, came alive. The next thing I was going to say was Gronk. I mean, he was amazing. Yeah, and you know what? I mean, I got to give my hat to uh, Jalen Mills for having to, to go up against that beast of a man. Every every time I saw him running down the field, I was like, who, who in their right mind would stand in that guy's fucking way when he's coming at <laughs> you know? And Jalen Mills a couple times threw himself, you know, on the, on the fire just to kind of – and he made some great plays. There were a couple of big plays where – you know, he, he ran with Gronk to the sideline and deflected passes or, you know, got a hand in there enough to, to disrupt plays. And I, even then, Gronk still had a just terrifyingly big game. But I think Jalen Mills, a couple big plays, you know, and just sticking with Gronk, which is not yeah. easy to do. They're not – I don't. I can't really think of anyone in the league, you know, who's capable of doing that consistently on an every-down basis. 
So, you know, the, the small things like that add up because those are first downs that you don't get. Yeah. Those are chunks of yardage that you don't acquire. And, so. you know, we are this. I mean, Gronk, along with the rest of the, the receiver core, like we saw Brandon Cooks leave early, which certainly hurt. But it didn't stop Brady from throwing 500 yards like Brady no. and the offense and Josh McDaniels did amazing work like I was expecting a lot more of this Eagles defense to slow them down, but it didn't. I mean, Gronk had 117 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, there was a drive at the beginning of the second half where Brady threw it to Gronk like four times, went down the field, and then just threw him a touchdown. I I mean, it was the Brady-Gronk drive. And I I was kind of afraid. I was like, I hope this is not the way the game ends. This is just the rest of the game because I feel like we're watching Madden. Like Madden football. Yeah. yeah, it's like he's going to Gronk again. Like at that whole drive, I was like, they're throwing to Gronk again. They just couldn't do anything because he was massive. And I mean, yeah. you said it. Jalen Mills could just throw himself at it. That was about all he could do. I mean, Brady just did a great job of just looking off defenders just enough of a step because they were they had times where they had one guy on Gronk and then like Mills or someone else would be floating in the zone, just kind of anticipating if Brady looked his way. But he just did a great job of just looking off defenders enough of a split second you know so that bodies were angled in the wrong direction and he and that's all you need for Gronk he doesn't you don't necessarily have to throw it up super high and just have him jump for it but just enough of a separation once it's in Gronk's hands it's not coming out and Amendola and Chris Hogan both had 100 yard days and I think Amendola had like 150 yards like these guys were definitely going and getting the ball and you know as I go back to this Brandon Graham strip sack you know the Eagles got pressure they just couldn't get a hand on him. They were quick throws, and, and I mean, they were they were doing every single thing they could so Brady could actually get the ball out quickly. I mean, the miracle was, again, the Eagles' offense was right there step-for-step step with them. And I think, look, I'm, we, we talk about how perfect this game was and how flawless the quarterbacks are. Well, I, I, I kind of forget, and I've had to remind myself a couple times, these guys have had, you know, a couple weeks to prepare for each other. They've watched a shitload of film on each other, you know, it, it it didn't really work out on defense except for that one Brandon Graham, you know, strip, mm-hmm. strip sack. But they've had so much time to kind of see what the flaws are in their defenses. And, you know, it, of course they're going to just put up so much offense on each other. Defense was one of those things where I looked and, I mean, they got a lot of pressure on Brady in the first half because I remember a lot of those throws just coming up short mm-hmm. or him literally firing the ball off because, you know, he was just about to get sacked. Yeah, there was definitely a couple of plays where it was like, oh, he got rid of it because the pressure was all over him. Close calls. And, I mean, on the same, on the other end of the field, I, you know, there were a couple times where Foles had to roll to, you know, to the side to get that full, to get the football, you know, out of bounds and just, yeah. or at least he would throw it down the sideline just far out of the reach of, you know, both receiver and defender. So they, they got pressure and the defense did what they could. But it, it just, at the end of the day, this one was just an offensive, uh, meeting of minds to uh to shower some praise on the eagles because uh i am still basking in the glory of this victory they did go 10 for 16 they did have 10 third down conversions they went two for two on fourth down um all sean jeffrey had some amazing catches tory smith had a couple of amazing catches zach Ertz, zach motherfucking Ertz, man. They ran some great plays for this guy. He had some huge conversions, not to mention the game-winning touchdown, which I'm going to come around and say it. I I was pretty clear it was a touchdown. I was yelling at the screen at Chris Collinsworth when he was talking about how that should be overturned. I was like, shut the fuck up. 
I'm glad you said that because I literally have on my note, I just wrote Collinsworth. Yeah, it was just like I'm sitting there and he's going, they should overturn this. That ball moved at the line. I'm like, dude, you're fucking wrong. He had two feet down. He took like three steps and made a football move. I don't care what the fuck you say. He broke the plane. He broke the plane. He was a runner. And then even when the football bounced, he still caught it. You could conceivably say it never touched the ground. The ground can't cause a fumble. It's just, it. I, I was... I was sitting there, I was like, how long, you played football, you played NFL football, and you've been a commentator for how long, and you don't know the fucking rules? Dude. There were at least two times there that we, there was nothing to dispute. He now, was a runner, he had secure possession, the one. Two, he broke the plane without having a knee down or being stopped. And three, the ground can't cause a fumble, even if it did, he still recovered the fucking football as a touchdown. I just, uh, that moment drove me a little nuts. Collinsworth, it was like a little like, dude, you got to chill with this shit, man. Yeah, that was, you know, that one I didn't, I didn't see. And I think the fact that it took so long for them to review it was the only reason that that became more and more questionable. I didn't, in my head, there was no disputing it. There was no need to argue about that. Dude, the the Corey Clement touchdown, that thing was, that was closer. That one to me was like, you know what, if that had gone the other way, I would see why. It was just enough questionable. And that, that was more in terms of, did he have secure possession of the football when he took those two steps? Because mm-hmm. if you argue that he didn't, that third step... That third was, step was right, out of bounds. That was on the white line, and that was out of bounds. So that would be the argument, was whether or not he had possession when he took that first step. You know, And the initial ruling on the field is a touchdown. If you're not sure, ruling on the field stands. I mean, that's as far as from what I've viewed and experience watching football is the way it goes but like i said if they had argued the other way and said he didn't have secure possession and the touchdown was called back i'd go all right well i can see how that would be an issue um i want to rave about Corey clement actually i'm gonna rave about all the running backs for a second they they all stepped up jay ajaye had some big runs in this i'm just going to point this out to you one of the third downs that conversions i have is jay ajaye converting a third down and getting 26 yards now we forget it, and, and getting into the red zone. We forget it because the very next play was the interception to Alshon Jeffrey. So that drive ended that way. But yeah. you do you do need to remember that Ajaye ripped off another one of these major runs. It was only it, it wasn't very long before that that LeGarrette Blunt ripped off that 20-yard run for a touchdown. Let's talk about Corey Clement here for a second. Undrafted. Undrafted. You know, I remember seeing him. Uh, uh, in in training camp uh, on the practice squad last year, thinking he's not really going to make the squad. There was another Eagles fan who was like, I like this guy Clement. And I was like, yeah, he's probably going to be deep behind the depth chart behind Wendell Smallwood. Remember him? He didn't even get on the field. And And so now, I mean, hell, I can even tell you, remember when I told you uh, my brother went to the the Sixers game and he saw that Eagle uh, um, uh, in the, in the club box. And they were talking about how he, this guy didn't think the Eagles were that good. Yeah. During that same game, my brother was saying, oh, yeah, I was sitting next to some Eagle player, this guy Corey Clement. I didn't even know who he was because I didn't recognize him. He knows him now. He's going to fucking know him now. Corey Clement had 100 yards receiving. That wheel route that went for 55 yards, he straight up said that they ripped that off of the Jacksonville Jaguars when when Corey Grant was doing it two weeks ago against the Patriots. And that fucking touchdown... I mean, listen, I feel like all the touchdowns the Eagles scored were just breathtaking and... I kind of think the Corey Clement touchdown might have been the most breathtaking one of all. Well, the Nick Foles catch was probably the best one, but I mean, 
Corey that Clement. Was, you know what? I I looked at that that play again with Corey Clement, and I thought there was another um receiver downfield. If he had just gone a little bit more horizontal, he could have probably made it in for a touchdown and let that um other receiver block for him. But he tried to shoot straight up the middle. So I was kind of like, man, he actually almost could have gone all the way with that one. Dude, I mean, magical. And the plays that these guys made and the special teams, you know, this is this the special teams are kind of a small footnote on this, but I mean Patriots special teams was bad. I mean, they missed a field goal. They missed an extra point. I mean, the Eagles missed an extra point as well, but I mean, they missed an extra point. They, uh, if you remember at the very end of the game, they had a kickoff return that they ended up doing a lateral to Rex Burkhead and they lost some yardage. Yeah, they burned. I in, understand what they were trying to do. They with that. burned important time off the clock and they ended up pinning Tom Brady like behind the 10. I, I, I honestly didn't understand it and I didn't think. If you're gonna go for a trick play, that's the worst scenario to run one on. I just it, that one bothered me. I'm actually glad you brought that up because I completely forgot that. And I was like, "What are you doing? Not only do you not need to run that play, you also pin yourself." You know, I think the, what it was at the ten yard line. It was. It was, and and this is like with less than a minute left. This is after the yeah. strip sack when the when Eagles had kicked the field goal and gone up by eight. I mean, it just didn't. It, that was very unpatriotic. Uh, <laughs> you know, make a joke about it, but it just really was not a Patriots-esque move. It felt like they're trying to be someone else in yeah. that moment. And you know what? Being someone else is how you lose Super Bowls. Just ask the Atlanta Falcons. Man, that was mind-boggling. I'm trying to think. Man, there was another play that I do. I, I think that whole last, that last minute, I, I, especially after the strip sack. Well, actually, it's, it's funny you say that. Um, I was listening to an, uh, Kevin Clark on the Ringer NFL show. He was mentioning, he thought that whole, he hated that last drive because when they when they had to go all the way down the field, there were multiple routes where they had Gronk on the short route at the sideline. Now, that's what I don't get. I think you just and even what he chose to do was the first three downs. He chose to air it out and go deep, and it was incomplete. It was only on fourth down that he was like, "All right, now I'm going to throw it to Gronk." And then that's when they started moving up the field, but they burned like thirty seconds of the game. So. When the when they the Patriots got the ball in that last drive, I literally I felt like I was a, a, a director. Like, all right, this is what's going to happen. Tom Brady's going to fan out to the sidelines because every person who catches the football is immediately going to step out of bounds. They've done this a million fucking times, a million times, a million times, and all of a sudden, I mean, they can barely make it 10, 15 yards for those first couple pass plays, and I was like, what is going on? I mean, are the, the receivers that well covered? I mean, I don't see – Gronk was wide open a couple times. They let Gronk have those passes after a while, and that was just so they could, you know, kind of hold him in bounds and let the clock run out. But at the initial of that drive, I was like, what is going on? Yeah. Not that I'm upset, mind you. I was more confused, just not expecting this to happen. Just not Patriots football. Not no. Nothing like them at all. And I don't know if – I mean, even with Brandon Cooks, because they have Danny Amendola, you got Chris Hogan, you have guys – who've been on this team for so long, guys who've run these plays. James White, you have guys who have run these plays. They can line James White up in the slot, and he can do just anything that the wide receivers on that team can do. And none of that happened. Very disappointing. But as an Eagles fan, I don't care, man. This was, listen, to have them be underdogs, and, and, you know, I'm going to say I doubted it. I mean, when Wentz went down, I mean, I didn't think this was possible, but I got to tell you, I mean, I did keep picking this team. I did keep sticking by them. You and I believed in them. We both sort of felt like 
this was a good matchup for the Eagles. Like we weren't just giving ourselves lip service. And I think a lot of other people out there felt the same way. You know, I don't think everybody was just ready to hop on the Patriots bandwagon and say, well, this team is just going to do what they always do. Um, One question for you. Go ahead. What happens to Nick Foles now? Well, um, that's, that is a good question. I'm, listen, before I get there, I just want to celebrate Nick Foles. I want to celebrate Carson Wentz for being classy, for being there, for celebrating yeah. this win. Uh, I want to celebrate the Eagles for, for praising their players who are hurt, like Jason Peters. Jason Peters was one of the first guys out there. Uh, I think he was a captain at the t- coin flip. I saw Lane Johnson holding his jersey up when he ran out of the tunnel. And uh, I saw an Instagram photo of uh, J- Jason Peters holding that Super Bowl trophy uh, on the plane home to Philadelphia. Because I'm going to segue right into the fact of what's going to happen to Nick Foles. Jason Peters is probably not going to be on this roster. The guy tore his ACL. Okay. I think he's got a $9 million uh, cap hit next year. If they cut him, they save about $6 million and only have a $2 million cap hit. You can pretty much be sure of the fact that Jason Peters is probably going to retire at this point. Um, Darren Sproles won a title. Um, Again, torn ACL and a broken arm. I think he's going to want to come back. I don't think he'll be on the Eagles. And again, now you sit here and you look at Carson Wentz, you know, What's exciting to me as an Eagles fan is I truly believe that this might be the beginning of a dynasty. This might be the beginning. Like, I could see the Eagles going back to the Super Bowl with Carson Wentz in a year or two, and he's probably going to be hungry because, listen, as, as exciting as this moment is for all of them, you know deep down Carson Wentz wants to win that Super Bowl MVP yeah, he himself. Wants he wants one that he earned. Goddamn right, man. All the way through, full season earned. And you know what? Year two, he's young. It's great. Listen, if he's, if he's Brady's age, if he's in year eight or nine, you can bet for damn sure he doesn't want a backup taking him to the Super Bowl. He wants to go there and do it himself. So I back mean, it's, to it's, it's go ahead. How much, how much potential there still is for this team? I mean, you know, when you think Fletcher Cox, Ooh. a young guy, um, you still got God. I'm having a brain. Vinny right Curry, now. Timmy Jernigan, Brandon Graham. I mean, let's see what they do with some of these one-year guys like Chris Long and and Jernigan and Malcolm you know Jenkins. Malcolm Jenkins. I think he's still he's still on the contract for what another year or two, isn't he? I believe he is. I mean, there's just there's still so much potential, and you can still fill in. I mean, who's not going to want to play for a Super Bowl champion? You're going to have you know free agents that want to come in that have experience that you know a valued at their positions, so they have opportunities to fill the roster with you know veteran guys. Now, uh, so to back to Nick Foles. So he is under contract for a second year. Now, if you ask me, part, okay, I think that what's going to happen, I, I don't think he'll be on the roster next year. I okay. think that there's going to be a team that's going to want to pry him away from the Eagles. I think also riding a high like this, it's going to be hard if, you know, I don't think Nick Foles is an, amb- an ambitious kind of guy who's going to be like, I need to be the starter. I think he's sort of praising the fact that, you know, he got this opportunity. Listen, if, if Wentz was healthy, he's not starting at all. But now that, you know, because he sort of got injured, he got thrust in this opportunity to be the Super Bowl MVP. You know, you know he's going to get commercial deals. You know he's going to get shoe deals. You know, he's going to make some advertising money off of this. Yeah. But there's going to be a team that's going to be willing to cough up a lot to get him. And I think it's going to be hard for Howie Roseman to pass it. Like, you know, if the Jaguars offer a first-round pick, you know, if one of these terrible teams that needs a quarterback and is thirsty for a quarterback 
offers up enough, Eagles are going to move on from Nick Foles. That's my opinion. I don't think he'll be on the roster next year. Um, However, I do want him to stay there, not just because he's Nick Foles, but because I don't think Wentz is going to be healthy for week one. I truly do not think that. And I think having a guy like Foles already in the fold and being available in that capacity is going to put you well for next season so that, you know, you can ease into Wentz coming back to being the starter. You know, Wentz might be healthy, you know, week six or eight or something like that. And then already you're going to have a strange quarterback controversy because, you know, Wentz is sort of like going to have to take over. What if, what if Foles is five and one at that point and Wentz is ready to take over? It's a, you might get the same type of mess you're going to have in Minnesota. So in that regard, I mean, it's probably best if Foles is gone. It's probably best if the Eagles trot Sudfeld or some no-name out there and go 3-3 three and three and have Wentz come back in and sort of save the season. I mean, yeah. hell, they might not even make the playoffs, but then you're sort of avoiding all the drama, and Nick Foles gets to go on to greener pastures and go get a starting job someplace else. I don't think he's on the roster next year. It's interesting. I mean, I asked you that initially just because I'm really not sure myself. And if you ask me right now, I'm very 50-50 because – Look, the guy was on the side of the league. There has to be obviously some kind of sense of loyalty to the Philadelphia organization. Yeah. Especially after everything they've been through with this, you know, this last month, two months of uh, football. Um, also, I mean, when you think about it, a team like Arizona needs a quarterback. But yeah. He's been there. He's done this already. He's done this trip. And, and, and he knows I, he might go to another coaching staff, another front office, and it might be the Rams all over again. It might be a mess. He might, exactly. He might eat shit again, you know. So not to say that he's scared, but, I mean, this is a guy who, you know, he has a home in Philly now. He has, you know, you look, you bring in a Super Bowl ring. Even in New York, we can talk as much shit as we want about how bad Eli Manning is, but the guy brought home two Super Bowl rings. Yeah. You kind of have a protected status. You're okay. You know, you're still going to be looked at with respect and, you know, you're not going to be vilified. Yeah. So, I mean, if Philly's a safe bet to stay in terms of Foles and, you know, if he wants to sit and be the backup. But I also think you're right. I do not think Carson Wentz is going to be ready for week one. I would have, I was actually projecting probably week three or four in terms of uh, his readiness to come back and play. But ACL injuries are different for everyone. I have been, you know, guys who've torn ACLs and needed like a full year and a half, two years to recover. Some guys bounce back within like you know six or seven months, so it's it's a tough call. And I, I mean, granted, we've seen him walk on the sidelines and look not that bad. Actual gameplay, you know, speed is going to be completely different. So I mean, I if I were the Eagles organization, I would go very very slowly with his progress and development. Yeah. You know, coming back from injury, yeah. and that that really begs the question: Foles comes back and he does a great job. What's the harm in letting them play out, you know? The rest of the season and letting Wentz, like, rest a whole year. Let him play the ride. And if he has, you know, a few games where he's looking a little shaky, Wentz is healthy, you know, you you bring him in. But at the same time, you know, look, if Foles is having a high hand all season, let him be the starting quarterback the whole season. You know, I mean, let him ride it all the way. Because you guys already won one Super Bowl ring on him. Dude, what's the problem with winning another one, or at least contending for another one? This is this is such a good problem, such a good yeah, problem to have too many good, too stop. many good quarterbacks on the roster. The Jets have negative three good quarterbacks right now. <laughs> I can deal with them after I see with good fucking quarterbacks. <laughs> well, you, you're not you're not feeling good trotting out Bryce Petty. Look, man, I, just talk to me after the draft. Right now, I, I'm not even stressed out about Jets football. It's just more of 
I, I just talk to me after the draft just to see what my level of anger versus complacency is with their selections. <laughs> oh my God. We can never get away from ineptitude with the Jets. Oh yeah. I don't even know how I feel about them thinking they have the money to throw at Kirk Cousins and I'm not really sure uh, that it's worth it for an above average quarterback. But then again, what do I know? No, listen, I, I think Kirk could do some good things. I think Cousins is going to do some good things for a team. Might not be the Jets, but I, listen, I don't think I think he would be just fine on the Jets. And you know what? I think he would be a step up from the last few quarterbacks they've had. Just throwing that out there. Shaka, I think um, I think that's it, man. I think we can sit here and enjoy the end of the season with a Super Bowl victory for the Eagles. I can tell you I was not seeing that coming in August. Look, man, it's been absolutely, absolutely satisfying. It's been super satisfying, actually. Yeah. It's, I mean... <laughs> What a hell of a season to see all of the ups and downs, Wentz being MVP and getting hurt, Deshaun Watson, who knows what the hell the season would have looked like if he was healthy. I mean, the drama with Brady, the the drama with the anthems, I dude, it definitely paid off and I'm going to remember I'm going to remember this one forever. Look, man, there's a lot, I mean, just a lot to look forward to already next year. Yeah. Both the defensive and defensive coordinator for the Patriots are moving on to new jobs. Yeah. This you was know, definitely I mean, a last ride for them. And, you know, I yeah. think McDaniels delivered. I don't know if Matt Patricia did. So it's it's going to be a very, 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 very fun season next year. I'm already excited. Like, I'm looking forward to it. And I know people are already like, oh, my God, I'm so glad football's over. I'm We need to take time to to hibernate a little and, and ruminate yeah. and focus on other things. you got to build up the high again. Yeah, that's part of the thing of football is it doesn't happen all the time. So you have to, you know, cherish these moments and cherish things like – the Philadelphia Eagles winning the Super Bowl with a backup quarterback. Nick Foles will fee- will forever be in Philadelphia lore. Forever. Well, look, now I can actually maybe pay attention to the basketball season a little bit this year. Yeah, maybe. The Knicks are okay. <laughs> Dude, I think it's time for us to get out of here and wrap up this season. Shaka and I, I mean, we've enjoyed it. We'll be back next year to start talking about next season and what's going on with all the trades and the moves and the drafts. There'll be plenty of fodder, but right now we're at the end of the 2017 season and the Eagles are hoisting the Lombardi Trophy. It's beautiful. Guys, it's been an honor and a pleasure as always. Thank you so much for a wonderful fucking season. You can subscribe to Sam Sports Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Like my Facebook page, Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Instagram at Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Twitter at SmithFaceJones. And of course, always email Shaka and I at SamSportsStation at gmail.com. Oh, it's such a satisfying end to the year. I loved this season. I hated this season, and I love and I experienced every single thing in between. But Shaka and I have really had a joy talking about it every single week with you guys. So take the the off season, enjoy it, savor some basketball. We'll be back next year. Thanks a lot for listening. Bye bye. Thank you guys. Bye. Eagles are Super Bowl champions. <laughs>